Christ is King Sunday. We celebrate the kingship of Christ, but as we're going to see in Paul's letter, we're reminded not just that he is king, but, but what kind of king is this king? But before we do that, especially with this season and this week, we want to go back to verse 16 that Corey talked about this morning with the children, to talk about the importance in the people of God for gratitude and thanksgiving. G.K. Chesterton had said at one point, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. It's a reminder to the church, especially in this season, right? We know what happens Thursday, but we also know what may happen Friday, right? A season of taking or wanting or needing. But the church today is going to say, we're a church of, of thankful hearts. We're a church who, before anything, we say to God, thanks. You look at Paul's life, and it's not that Paul's very much aware of our, our needs, and he's going to pray for those later when we get through the, the epistles. But, but when he starts, this one who has all kinds of needs, what, what he begins with in verse 16 is, I am always thanking God for you. That's how he begins his prayer. Somebody who has many needs in his body, in his circumstance, for the church, but his first words are, after he talks of the Trinity in chapter 1, when he has an opportunity to freely speak, I'm just thanking God for you, for your love for him, for the way you love the saints. My prayer begins with thanksgiving. And if our lives aren't full of thanksgiving, people better watch out. Because, because our lives are, are, are going to be shaped by that, either by ingratitude or gratitude. And if, and if I'm living in a, in a season of, what about me? If I'm living in a season of, why can't I get? If I'm in a season of lacking thanks, people better watch out. I like what Christian author Ann Voskamp says. Gratitude's not a natural posture. The prince of darkness is ultimately a spoiled ingrate. And I've spent most of my life as kin to the fist shaker. If we lack gratitude, we'll become stubborn, we'll become demanding, we'll become fist shaking. I really believe, and this is not here in this text, but I really believe often it's gratitude. If we, if we lack gratitude, that may be one of the great sources of temptation in our life. Somehow God's holding out, why can't I get this? And it just so often comes to us and we become reachers and takers. And I realize too, as you just heard Ben pray earlier today, this is not an easy season for many of us. Many of us are walking through a time of, whether it's personal struggle or heartbreak for others who are going through physical issues, emotional issues. Maybe we've got issues in our family. So as we enter Thanksgiving and then to Advent to Christmas, I recognize as a pastor, this can be a really hard season for so many of us. But I, I remember talking with a member in our church family over the recent years who was walking with a loved one in a really difficult time uh, when they were suffering, having to walk with that person through it. And that person's testimony to me was, it's gratitude. Gratitude was, in, in their words, a game changer for me. To even in the hard seasons of life and in the difficult stuff, 
I'm going to be grateful before the Lord and give thanks to the Lord. And it was a game changer. My wife and I went and saw uh, the first couple episodes of The Chosen Season 3. It's in theaters, so you can see the first couple of uh, uh, episodes of that. I will confess to you, as I did to a few of our ushers today, I might have checked the TCU and Michigan score as we were watching uh, that Christian film there, watching Jesus, and I'm checking scores. Uh, but one of the big takeaways was this moment with James and son of... We, we got several names for him. We don't know much about him, especially biblically, but one of the, the names we give to him is James the Lesser. Some people call him James the Minor or James the Little. Because of this phrase in church history of the lesser, some people think, and you see it portrayed in the episode, in the movie, uh, that maybe he had some physical needs. And so Jesus has sat down all the disciples and said, I'm about to send you out two by two, and you're not only going to preach, but you're going to heal people. I'm going to give you authority to cast out demons. And following that time, James the lesser goes outside to talk to Jesus one-on-one. Why haven't you healed me, Lord? You're giving me authority to go heal. Why won't you go? Why won't you heal me? It was the sweetest moment of Jesus walking up to him and said, I love you. I want you to know I love you. And, and just that explanation, I'll let you watch it, but just that explanation that Jesus gives. But even that, that question, if I don't remove this, Will you still love me? If I don't take this out of your life, could you still proclaim to others healing and be a part of their healing? James, I will heal you. It may not be now, but I am going to heal you. But as you wait for that, can you be faithful to still minister? We don't know much about James, but... Throughout church history, they do talk about a physical deformity that he had later. Not then, but later. I think the phrase was camel knees because he was always in prayer. That he had said yes. No matter whatever deficit he had in his life, hurt or suffering he had in his life, he found himself at his prayers all the time. And I'm not going to describe to you what church history says that happened to him, but it was horrific. That he went to his death for his Savior. Just like Paul, would you remove this thorn? Would you remove this hurt? Would you remove this physical issue? And when God says no, can you and I still have a heart of gratitude because he's removed our heart of stone? As Ben prayed this morning, he's made us new creations. And I can be grateful even in the hard seasons. Paul, when he writes this letter, do you remember where he is? Do you remember this epistle this is one of the prison epistles so here he is in chains and he has this opportunity to pray and you would think his first prayer would be get these chains off lord let me pray by starting with this i thank god all the time for you because you love him and because you love the saints gratitude is a first thing for Paul. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of prison, in the midst of missing others, in the midst of struggle, it's a first thing. And when you go follow later, when you get to his, really his last prayer, chapter 6, verse 19, 
he is going to pray for himself. And it's okay to, to bring our petitions and our supplications to the Lord. Do that. Start with thanksgiving because often when we start with praise and thanksgiving, it forms and shapes how I pray about those needs. But when you finally get him praying in chapter 6, 19, what does he pray? Get these chains off of me. It's not what he prays. What does he pray? Pray for me that when I speak about the mystery of the gospel, I will be clear. Pray for my boldness to speak up for Christ and the glory of the gospel. Pray for needs, yes. You see Paul do that throughout. But this first thing, this first reminder in this section of Scripture, he's praying for the church. He's praying a prayer of gratitude. How is that for you and for me this week? How, is we, how have we found ourselves this week? It's, it's right to bring our needs before the Lord, but am I, am I starting with thanksgiving? Secondly, go to verse 20 and 23. I want us to look at, we're going to get back to what he prays specifically for the church, but I want us to remind ourselves again of what he says of Jesus on Christ as King Sunday. What is it that he tells us about Jesus? And really, so often, the lectionary scriptures, the scriptures that they give to pastors and say, preach these verses and these passages on Christ the King Sunday, often they, yes, they speak of, of his reign, of his kingship, but so often, and rightly so, they speak of what kind of king Jesus is. The Ezekiel reading that's often for this passage, excuse me, <coughs> it talks about the coming shepherd, the servant of David, and the verbs that talk about his kingship are that he cares for, he seeks, he binds up the broken, he strengthens the sick, he feeds. When you get to Matthew 25, which is often the reading for Christ as King Sunday, we get to Matthew 25 and you remember that, yes, the separating of the sheep and the goats. But, but, but what's the heart of that? Jesus has said, if you're going to be a follower of my kingship, this is what it looks like. If somebody's naked, if somebody's in prison, if somebody's hungry, if somebody, that's the concern of this kind of king. And then you get to Psalm 100, which is often the, 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 the psalm reading for Christ is King Sunday. And that psalm begins with verse one. I can shout about God. I can serve him. Why? Verse five, he's good. He's loving. He's faithful. Paul says, and he's going to pray for this church. We'll get to that. But let me, let me remind you about some things about our Savior. He died for you. Verse 20. He was raised from the dead. This is the kind of king that we have. We talk about in Scripture, hardly anybody might, might possibly die for a righteous person. This one came, this king came, and he gave himself for us. As a true king does, he won life for his people in his death and then verse 20 as well his resurrection not just pushing back or conquering enemies but conquering death itself and God gave him verse 20 headship he gave him lordship he seated at the right hand and then this word that we see in verse 21 and when you read Paul circle the little words those little words to me have some of the deeper impact if you see the word every or all, or in, or full. Circle those words, because that's what you see here over and over again is all authority, all rule, every name, all things in subjection, head over all 
things. I just love the solo this morning. There's a whole lot of names of gods out there. And those people in this culture believe that if you knew the name of your God, you could say that name, manipulate that God, and get him to do whatever you want for him to do for you. But Paul says to us, his name is over all names. As we heard sung for us, there is something about that name. His name was over all names. He has all rule, all authority. And then for us, church, verse 22, Paul reminds us again that he has all authority over the church. And we're going to get into, you can go and read chapters 4 through 6. This is the practice of the believer. Before he talks to us about what we're to do in response to the goodness and the power of his kingship, we get chapters 1 through 3 where he talks about the position of the believer. I've read a commentary that week, this week that says, as much as he loved this church in Ephesus and visited them, loved on them, cared for them, one commentary said they were spiritual paupers. He's not just writing to them to prevent problems, he's trying to make them aware of who they are in Christ. He's trying to remind them of the riches that they have. They're ignorant of the wealth that they have. I think it's 30 to 35 times. Again, look for this and just circle it. How many times does Paul say, I am in Christ or in him? I'm his. I have his inheritance, as we'll see in a minute. His riches, his hope. Church, I want you to know not just what you're to be about, but I want you to know who's you are and what you have in him. Went to the MRA prep game last night, and I walked up right at kickoff. So as soon as I was walking into the Mississippi College Stadium, the game was starting. And I just was surprised. They had this little VIP section. Any of y'all are an MRA. I don't, why didn't you get your preacher an MR, uh, a VIP car ticket? But anyway, I'm walking in, and there's, there's just... Space is everywhere. A VIP section. We can just get out of your car and walk right to, I walked a half mile to a mile to get to the stadium. But all these places went unused. Maybe they didn't come to the game. Maybe they forgot that they had that VIP ticket and they parked far away. All these places that could have been used. And Paul's saying to the church, you are in him. You are his this one who died for you, this one who's raised from the dead, this one who is seated at the right hand, who has all authority, all rule, and has a name above every name, you are his. And so he prays for this church. Go back to 17, 18, and 19. He prays for this church. I pray that you would have wisdom and knowledge. I pray that. But I also pray in verse 18 that you would know the hope and the inheritance and the riches that you have. And then lastly, verse 19, I'm praying that you, want, you know the power of God in your life. Even the working of the strength of his might with which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I pray you know that power that he wants to gift you. That, that scene I was talking about in The Chosen Jesus has his disciples all set together, and he's sending them out for that missionary journey. He says, I'm going to send you out in twos. You can't take anything with you. Don't take a change of clothes. Don't take any extra food. You're going out in twos, and he divides them out. And then he says, listen, not only am I going to let you 
say what I say. You preach what I've preached. But I'm going to give you all authority to heal people and to cast out demons. And somebody immediately raised their hand and said, excuse me, I'm sorry. Did I miss a ceremony? When was I gifted that? Did I, did I miss some kind of initiation or some kind of prayer service or some kind of special fall? I'll give it to you. Do you trust that he's given that to you? That's what Paul is saying. Those things he's going to call us to in chapters 4 through 6, he's saying to us in chapters 1 through 3, this is the power of God in his might. As I've worked in Jesus' life to raise him up, to place him in all authority, I'm going to gift you that power to be who I've called you to be, to do what I've called you to do, to say what I've called you to say. I love how he has this second prayer, and we'll close with this, chapter 3, 14 through 21. He has a second prayer for the church, and he basically says the same thing, that you be strengthened with power of the Spirit in the inner man, that being rooted and grounded in love, that you would be able to comprehend the love of God so that you are full up to all the fullness of God. How is it for you and for me this day? How is it in our prayer life, in our work, in our relationships, in our friendships? How is it you and I are placing Thanksgiving first? How is it that you and I, as, as we recognize and see again the glory of who Jesus is, what kind of king he is, but also this reminder that he's above all things. Church, when people bumped into us last week, when people bump into us this week, and we all are going to get bumped, will people be able to say, that person is under subjection to a king? That person does not rule himself. He's ruled by someone else. In the hard seasons, in the difficult times, will be, we be a people who are marked by thanksgiving? How is it you and I need to pray about as Paul prayed? Lord, just give me wisdom. Let me know the inheritance that I've had. Encourage me in that. But would you put your power on display? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word. Many of us are in a, in a season of struggle or have friends who struggle. Father, would you help us to have a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, Father, we also pray that as we are reminded again through this, your word, of the power of Christ, the goodness of Christ, the authority and rule of Christ, Father, it is our prayer that our words, our lives, all things would be under his subjection, that, Father, we would submit and yield all things to our King. Father, if there are any in this room this day who need your wisdom, in a significant area in their life, if there's any this day who needs your hope to be reminded again of the riches of Christ, the, in, the inheritance of Christ that is theirs. If there are any that need to be reminded again that you're a God who shares his power. And if, Father, we can be who you've called us to be, Father, I pray you grant us that this day. We thank you for this. Your word bless now our response to it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.